thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So welcome, as Tim's already said, welcome if it's your first time with us, welcome if it's not. Um, and uh, if we can do anything as a church to help and support you, then just we will try. Um, but this morning we're going to continue with the God's Word in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 13 to chapter 5, verse 9. So we'll read that in a moment. But this morning, the whole purpose and the premise of Ecclesiastes is the search for meaning. What's it all about? What is it all about? If you've not been, the teacher talks about looking in different places for meaning. So it's pleasure and wealth and work and all those things. And today, he looks at politics and religion. Oh, there's a controversial one. Okay. I'm not a really massively political person, but they're often difficult subjects to discuss, aren't they? They can ruin friendships. Would you agree? Yeah, if you start talking about politics, whether you're an English-born uh, national or whether you're an American-born national or anyone else, if you start talking about politics, there can be all sorts of trouble. So I'm not going to get too political this morning. It's fine. We do have um, We have invited our local MP in to do some... Um, community sort of what they're called, clinics, that's the one. So he's coming in August the 18th. We would do that whether it was Simon Fell or somebody else, because actually we want the community to have a voice. So we're not endorsing any one particular person or place. My opinion is he does seem to have compassion. And uh, when we asked the MPs before the election if they would like to come to our prayer meeting or if, we'd, if they would like to give us some prayer points, he was the only person who replied and asked. So I have to say, that's one thing. Somebody said that's a good idea and never got back to us. And somebody else from another party didn't even reply. So my grace is at least he communicates. But I'm not going to get political. That's, that's all I'm going to do. And I certainly won't even go into the American scene at the moment because I, I might get things thrown at me. So there we go. In fact, you know, one of the things you could say about politics and religion is actually, or religiosity, is that actually... Sometimes politicians and ministers might come and ask you the same question. They might come to you and ask you the same question. They might say, should we put more fire into our speeches and sermons? When actually what you should be perhaps saying to them is, maybe you should put more of your speeches and sermons on the fire. If I said to you today, how many of you have got total belief in our government? I don't even need to do a row of hands. You know... But actually, we are to follow our government. But actually, how many of us have total belief? I would say it's quite low at this moment in time. But I, I, did, I did hear a joke, and it is just a joke, um, where a politician and priest went up to heaven, and they were being shown around to where they were going to be abiding in heaven. As I say, there's no theology in this joke at all. And uh, firstly, the priest was shown to a simple room with just a table, a chair, and a bed. And the politician was a little bit worried because he felt, ooh, it's a bit basic. But then he was shown to his quarters and was amazed to be shown into a mansion that had every imaginable luxury. So he turned to the person guiding him and said, this is amazing. 
Why do I have all of this when the holy man of God actually has such simple quarters? And his guide says, well, we've got loads of ministers, but you're one of the first ones to make it up here from Whitehall. <laughs> it's a joke. You could interchange it. But actually, <laughs> in fairness, we've had some amazing... Tim Farron in Kendall has been regularly appointed, and he's a great man of faith and integrity, and yet that stance on his faith actually hounded him out of office. So actually, sometimes they're not a good mix. But many of those politicians can seem few and far between. But it all comes down to promises, doesn't it? Promises that are not kept. Promises that are broken and mistruths and untruths. But you know, this morning we need to remember that all fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. Whether we are in Westminster or whether we're on Walney. That was just because it began with a W. Wherever we are, the Bible tells us none of us make his mark. But through Jesus we can, yeah? So... Today's reading is the search for answers and meaning in the places of the rulers and the priests. So let's read, starting at chapter 4, and see where he gets to. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 13 to 16, to begin with, say this. Better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to heed a warning. The youth may have come from prison to the kingship, or he may have been born in poverty within his kingdom. I saw that all who lived and walked under the sun followed the youth, the king's successor. There was no end to all the people who were before them, but those who came later were not pleased with the successor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. We'll stop there. So he sees this cycle again, this cycle of people coming to power and going. You know, he's looked at shallowness, and he lived in Jerusalem, where at the top of the hill was the palace and the temple, or the teachers, sorry, of the time, lived in Jerusalem. Top of the hill was the palace and the temple. Politics and religion, neither of them seemed to provide the answers. Politics, you reach the top. Who can remember when Tony Blair got into power? New Labour, there was excitement. But yet now, Tony Blair gets into trouble for anything and people accuse him of war crimes. Can you see how it works? Somebody gets into power and there's pomp and circumstance and it's like, yes, finally, a new broom will sweep it all out. And actually, it just becomes more of the same. And actually, they become tarnished. Someone said that you can reach the top, but then you stagnate and become extinct. You know, the teacher in this passage says that man can climb from nothing to the top, even from a prison. Who does that remind us of? Well, biblically, Joseph. Joseph was in a prison, he was in a pit, and yet actually he became a person of real importance. We remember Joseph as that that one who saved a nation. But actually, often once we get to the top, or people get to the top, people stop listening to advice, or lose sensitivity, or lose touch with the people that they're helping. In fact, Genesis chapter 47, verses 20 to 21 says this, so Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's. And Joseph reduced the people to servitude from one end of Egypt to the other. Joseph reduced the people to servitude. This was the man that we can celebrate, the man who reached power, and yet even he isn't perfect because, you know, there's only one that's perfect, the Lamb 
of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, somewhere there is always another younger man or younger woman or older man or older woman who will take their place. And before long, they are forgotten. I could ask you, do you know what this name means today? William Beveridge. Put your hand up if you know who William Beveridge is. Just put your hand up. You don't need to discuss. It's not ask a friend. Nobody. Nobody. William Beveridge. Well, William Beveridge, you know, fame, power, position doesn't last. Some people are whispering. Do you know what? Some people aren't sure. They don't want to commit because they know I'll go if they're wrong. Oh, oh Steve Pryor is taking a risk. William Beveridge. NHS. Steve Pryor, if I had a bag of sweets, you could have one. But I haven't, and you're not allowed to eat them anyway, by the way. Because <laughs> clean the carpet, I've been told. The NHS and national insurance. William Beveridge was the one who saw all that and put it in place. And actually, as a country, the NHS, even though at the moment it might be struggling, any nurses and midwives or anything in here, doctors, but actually the NHS is a real privilege for us, isn't it? But yet, when I said... Who's William Beveridge? Not one of you other than Steve was like, yeah, even the nurses and doctors in here. Mm, come on, history. Here's another one for you. Anthony Ashley Cooper. Anyone? Anyone? I thought some people would know William Beveridge. That's why I put this one in my notes because I thought, well, nobody will know this one. Anthony Ashley Cooper, he's got another name. If I give you the other title, maybe that, that will ring some bells. Lord Shaftesbury. Oh, okay, a few more. Well, if you're under 21, Lord Shaftesbury is the person you can thank for not still going up chimneys, okay? Lord Shaftesbury was the one who came up with the Chimney Sweepers Act to stop children as young as five and six being forced to work. What a legend. And yet, actually, it's all smoke, isn't it? It's all chasing after the wind. It literally is here today, gone tomorrow. A bit like my hair, but anyway. Although there's a bit more today than there was tomorrow, but anyway. From the top to the bottom in society, people are frustrated. Leaders, followers, because actually their rights aren't respected, their voice isn't heard. You know, politicians have been said to have lost touch, where some of them claim it's fine, you should be able to get by on the basic wage, the minimum wage. You should be able to get by on the benefits while they enjoy subsidised uh, cafes in Westminster. Let's not go there. I'm getting political. Stop it, Johnny. <laughs> Do you know, out of 8,000 people who were asked, do you trust your politicians, only 6% said yes. 6% of 8,000 said they trusted their politicians. Why? Because of unfulfilled promises. And as we look at Ecclesiastes, this first bit, that's what the teacher is seeing, that power and position are meaningless. It's not worth chasing in some ways. People are fickle. They follow one person and then turn to another. It's just dust. The only thing that is faithful and true is God's constant love and faithfulness. In fact, the same writer wrote in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 to 4, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. That's why God can be trusted because he is love. He is faithfulness. He is all those things. God's love and faithfulness, they never leave. His promises are yes and amen. They're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his promises are always kept. 
His promises are always kept. So he moves from the palace to the temple. Is there a difference from the rulers to the religious? Ecclesiastes 5, verses 1 to 7. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin and do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. What does he see in the temple? He goes in and first of all he says, watch what you say. Guard your words, guard your mouth. Don't be, don't be quick to speak. You know, who have you went to school and your teacher said, you've got two of these and one of those. Yeah? That means it's twice as important to do this as it is to do this. Well, if you're nosy, you could say, well, I've got two of these. So that's twice as more important to be nosy as it is to speak. You know, I've got ten fingers. That means I can fiddle and fidget with, with, with things when I, shouldn't be, when I should be listening. We'll come back to that. No, that's, that's Joel. Yeah, sorry, anyway. That sounds really bad now. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> Stop and watch your step when you go into the temple. You know, how many of us today have come into this place really prepared personally? I'm speaking to it, me and I'm speaking to the band. How many of us come into this place really prepared today to encounter the living God? The King of Kings, the Holy One, the Most High. How many of us have come in today because it's just what we do? Well, Ecclesiastes says he saw into the temple, he just saw rituals, he saw sacrifices, he saw routines, and he saw practices without any real meaning, costly ones too. People going through the motions without looking at the morality of a holy God. You know, we have a God whose love is unconditional, yeah? We have a God who loves you no matter what you have done, and no matter what you will do, he does love you. But you know what? The Bible tells us we miss out on the best if we just stick there because he wants us to have a life and live it to the full. He wants us to have joy. And sometimes that might mean denying some of the things we want. Sometimes it might mean being self-controlled. Sometimes it might mean not just going the way of the world but actually saying, God, what do you want me to be and do? Not just on a Sunday 24-7. Ritual without righteousness. That's what he saw. He saw ritual without righteousness. People were more bothered with the cost than the reason for the cost. You know, I went to church back in the day and you had to wear your Sunday best. I hated it. You know, itchy pants. Itchy trousers, I'll say. Sorry. I think that's all right. Itchy trousers. I hated it. There's a photo on our wall as a family, and I had to sit on the floor as a 14-year-old boy, okay, 14-year-old, and I'd got changed into clothes I wanted to wear for the family photograph, and I was told, go back upstairs and put that on and that on. And do you know what? I hate that photograph, because I'm smiling, but deep inside I'm going, I had to sit on the floor 
bit like that, not quite, in the tightest pants imaginable, uncomfortable, and say, yay, we're a happy family. We were, just I didn't like my pants. They were horrible. And actually, sometimes we were made to go to church in these stiff upper collars and everything else, and I'm not one for wearing a tie. I don't mind it at weddings and other things, but I find I, I feel uncomfortable. Anyone else with me on this? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, okay. Not just me. I'm good, good, glad to see. I struggle with it. Special occasions, I don't mind. And if it's a nice tie, I don't mind either. But actually, I struggle with it. It feels uncomfortable. But actually, sometimes, maybe, God says to think, God says to us, it's not about religion. It's not about getting dressed up to go to church. It's not about just wearing the right gear and the right clothes. It's about being the right person. It's not just about showing religion or faith. It's about living faith. It's about being his children. So actually, that's what the the writer of Ecclesiastes, the teacher says. He looks into the temple and actually he sees all these things. He says, you're more concerned with what you do in the temple than how you behave outside of it. Maybe that's us this morning. You're more concerned with how you behave in church than how you behave outside. Well, God is a holy God. He longs to bring us near, and yet so often we perhaps aren't living the way he calls us to. We're not doing the things he's called us to do. The teacher is not impressed. You know, what he's saying is this, before you've done this or sung that or sacrificed this, have you heard what God is telling you? Those of you who've come to Spoonmouth for a long time, Hopefully you've heard things that God is telling us through his word. It's not Johnny Harrison's words. We want to teach the truth from the Bible. And if God has already said it and he says it consistently, then do you know what? It's good. And it will lead to a life that is full and a life that is full. Whether it's hard at times or not, we will still recognize his presence with us. We've got two ears, one mouth. Have you heard what God is telling us? It's more important to listen to what God is saying than people. Do you know, God wants to talk to us about right and wrong. He wants us to listen so we can be led. The second part of the temple, the the writer says he heard promises that meant nothing. Pretty much the same as in the palace, that isn't it? Yeah? Promises that meant nothing. We've sung some songs this morning. I have not looked at the words to analyse them. But we've all sung songs. Now, I've seen people stand in church before who've not sung. I remember somebody being challenged because they didn't join in with the songs. And that person said, but I don't really mean them. And do you know what? That's more honouring than just going along with it. (laughs) Maybe, who, who of us has sung, take my life and let it be, consecrated Lord to thee? Yeah? Take my silver and my gold. Do we really mean that? Yeah? All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Yeah? Nice tunes, they have some of them, don't they? But we need to recognize the writer of Ecclesiastes was saying, he was hearing all these promises. When we sing our worship, it's a promise. This isn't to beat us up, it's to just recognize actually the seriousness of what we do. The seriousness of what we do, but we still recognize we have a God who loves us and he loves us and he loves us. And he knows that we're not going to be perfect until we're with him. He heard promises that were same as in the palace, rash promises. You know, what do we hear in church? Wedding vows. 
You know, I'm sorry I'm banging on about it again. Wedding vows are promises. You two are going to make promises. Not Bono and the Edge, you two. You're going to make promises on Tuesday before people and before God. You're going to say, I promise till sickness and in health, for better and for worse, for richer, for poorer. You're going to promise till death. Scary, isn't it? I'll leave that with you. (laughs) Prayers and fasting. You know, Faye shared last week, didn't she, about how fasting, that time as a church where we fasted and we prayed, although to some extent there was elements, wasn't there? We've talked about this where sometimes it might feel routine. But actually she can look back and go, do you know what, actually I was closer to God because my focus was on God, my focus was on him. And it wasn't just routine in the end, it was very personal, it was very living and it was very alive. The teacher hears things being said and being sung that he knew these people would not keep to. If that's religion, then it's as empty as the kings and the politicians. It's as empty as the palace. The danger of praying is God may answer that prayer. God might take you on the words that you sing. So he looks at politics, he looks at religion, and he says both are as empty, hollow, promise places where people don't listen but speak. Finally, he says, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 8 to 9, says this. If you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. In other words, we're going to see that because people are flawed. We're going to see that because the world isn't always the best place and people's hearts haven't always got the right intentions. Don't be surprised at such things. For one official is eyed by a higher one and over them both are, over them both are others higher still. In other words, if this one's doing something bad, there's somebody else looking out for him. Yeah, We see that in the world, don't we? If this person in power is doing dodgy deals, then there's somebody else who will sort it out for them as well. And everybody's looking out for each other's backs. The increase from the land is taken by all. The king himself profits from the fields. Don't be surprised by oppression and injustice. Does that shock us that that's in the Bible? Surely the Bible should be saying, you know, it should be all justice. It is. Jesus himself said, I've come to bring good news. It wasn't about heaven, it was about his kingdom now. Jesus said, I've come to bring good news. It's his kingdom here now because Jesus has a kingdom because he is a king. But we choose to put ourselves in his rule. We have a choice today to say, I want him to be my king. But don't be surprised by oppression and injustice, but we need to know we can trust what God has given us and what he hasn't given us. We can trust him because he is faithful and true, unlike the palace and the temple. Sometimes there's never justice, even in schools and churches and places where we would expect fairness and holiness, there can be injustice. You know, how did Jesus get to the top and be king? He headed to the bottom. He headed to the lowest. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to die for you and for me. He came down from heaven to earth. And on earth, he associated with the broken and the lost. He associated with the people that the religious people said, oh, don't go near them. What would that be in today's society? Oh, they're not, the church isn't for them. God is already on mission before we get there. 
and the church is for all, and God's love is for all. What does it say in John 3.16? For God so loved the world. So let's not exclude anybody from that gospel of good news. Jesus got to the top by heading to the bottom. He had all the power in the universe, yet never was he out of touch with the lowest and most rejected. Wow, that's something, isn't it? That's something to consider. He eat, sorry, he was friend of sinners. He ate and he drank and he laughed and he was criticized for it. He was a king and yet he was close to the people. Do you know, one day religion and rule will be merged with the best king and ruler and the best high priest there has ever been and will ever be. And only then will rule and religion or faith and politics be seen as perfect. Only then. Do you know, they mocked Jesus as king of the Jews when actually he was king of the universe. Power will not corrupt or oppress when Jesus is king, when Jesus rules and reigns completely. Promises will be completely fulfilled. Do you know, the teacher here says the answer isn't in politicians or rulers. It's not in the next government. It's not in our MP. It's not in those things. The answer isn't in the empty promises that sometimes religion might give us or the religious might give us or rule or ritual. And I want to put that straight. People often say, I'm not religious. Many of us in here will say, what do we answer? Neither am I. I'm not religious. I'm in a relationship with the King of Kings. I have a father. I am a son. I'm not a religious person. Religious is empty rituals, empty promises. I'm a person of faith. Because Jesus lives, even though he dies. Jesus is alive in me. The answer isn't in those places. The answer is in the faithfulness and goodness of Jesus. We sung it this morning. His goodness is running after us. Whether you know him or not this morning, whether you're far from him or not, he is pursuing you. His goodness is running after you. Sometimes we've got to open these and close this. Sometimes we've got to open these and close this. So we can hear and see that God is good and that God is love. There's another song that it reminded me of as I come to a close. Jesus is king and I will extol him. He will reign. He will have a kingdom that has no end. He is starting now and started when he was here on earth. What else does the Bible say? The government will be on his shoulders. Power, politics, rule, reign. But we also have a high priest who has gone through the curtain, steadfast and certain. He is the high priest. He is worthy. He is the one who is able and has taken the sin of the world. So as I finish... The search keeps leading us back to Jesus. He's the answer. It's amazing. We can't remember William Beveridge. I even struggled then without my notes. We can't remember Lord Shaftesbury. They've all been alive and done what they did in the last 150 years. Yet everybody on this planet seems to know the name of Jesus. We're not going to forget him because he is eternal. And he is here yesterday, today, and forever. He is worthy. The search keeps leading us back to Jesus. He is the answer to the questions that are being asked. So this morning, it's time to recognize it's not about positions. It's not about a title. It's not about power. It's not about empty prayers. It's not about promises on a Sunday. And we may encounter oppression from those at the top. But the Bible and God's word and God's love tells me that we have grace 
we have mercy, and ultimately we have justice. Where? In the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Let's just be quiet for a moment. Our prayer team are going to be at the back. And if, if you want to receive prayer, maybe the sermon this morning doesn't sort of personally challenge you in that way. But I would say the one thing that does challenge is those promises we make. Maybe there's some of us in here this morning who just go through the motions. Maybe we sing the same songs and actually don't mean the words we sing. Well, maybe this morning it's time to put that right. Maybe it's time this morning to say, God, I want my heart to be yours. If that's you, go and receive prayer this morning. Maybe you've never set out on that journey. Maybe politics, maybe religion, maybe faith has actually put you off sometimes. Maybe religious people, maybe you've been hurt by the church and, and organized faith. If that's you, Jesus was hurt. He was killed by the religious. <laughs> he was put to death on a cross. Go and be prayed for. Be, be, be set free. Maybe you're feeling oppressed. Maybe there's an oppression you see. Maybe there's an injustice. Maybe there's something in your heart that you have a real passion to see right. Maybe God, with his help, maybe with God's help, you can perhaps start to do something about that. If that's you, if you've got a dream, if you've got that passion in your heart, go and be prayed for. I'm going to pray for us all, but I'm also going to pray as we finish. One of our old ex-young people who was here a few weeks ago, Paul, his, his dad is, is very seriously ill. And he's messaged me as we, as we started the service saying, please, can we pray? So Father God, I pray for Paul and his family. I thank you that as church, we can lift one another up. And that, Father, we are not on our own. And as we've read this morning, things can be difficult. We can see oppression. We can see injustice. We can see what we perceive to be unfair. Father God, I pray for Paul and his family, for the, for the children, for the, the wider family. I pray, Lord, that you will be there as their comfort. You will be his rock, that he will keep bringing to mind that Jesus loves him and that he has given his life to you. So, Father God, I pray that he will be able to share some of that that's in him. But, Father, we pray for his dad, and we know that that we sometimes ask for miracles and we know that sometimes in this life that there will be problems. We know that the only life is eternal life with you. So Father God, I pray for Paul. I pray for his dad. But Father, this morning, I pray for each one of us here and I pray for us that we will stand and make a difference as church and as individuals. I pray that we will show your love. I pray that we will show your peace and I pray that we will not be people who crave position or routine, but Father, we'll be a people who head to the lowest. We'll be a people who are willing to, to step alongside those people that others won't. Father, as a church, may we lift up the broken, may we work, may we see the eyes opened of those that are blind, both physically and spiritually. And Father God, may we do it all in the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.